Hey guys, this is Kurt. And Logan. And we're here to talk about Battle Bards. I thought we were here to talk about how you're a terrible father. Pimping out your son. What? 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 Nothing. <laughs> okay. No, Battle Bards is great fantasy audio. I want to know that. Only things I care about are cartoons, balloons, Star Wars, candy, old people's smiles, dogs, Pokemon, video games, fireflies. Do you even know what those are? Existentialist paintings. How do you even know how to say that? The sound of forts, <laughs> ninjas, and electronics. Okay, that's a lot to process. Farts? Really? Oh, but check this out. Lord Ardok is a wooden fortique symbol. Bida octo mon farste outwis mon kasabu haudon fu chi tang gali asparos. Ooh, scary! And this. Ooh, impressive. You can't deny this, though. Noal na o lapireta ikarino ilasa zorge, lapilasa do lape turbs benas. Okay, that's very cool. Okay, Logan. So how much would you pay for that awesome audio? Thirteen point two pesos. There's no such thing as point two pesos. Fifteen hundred yen. Five hundred pinks. Republic credits. That's not even real. That's Star Wars, Logan. Well, let me tell you. You go to battlebars.com. You sign up for an account. And not only do you get that premium auto, but you can get a little something from us also. With the 10 and $25 packages, you get one free track with MFGCast1 as your coupon code. Buy a $50 or $100 package and get five free tracks with the code MFGCast2. That's a half of an album for free just for using that coupon code. Could it be any easier? Buy the $150 and $300 packages. Not only do you get most of Battle Bards fantasy audio, soundscapes, music, sound effects, etc., but you also get 10 free tracks with coupon code MFGCast3. A full album for free for using a coupon code from us. You're welcome. I'll just buy that great audio right now. Wait, but you have to you have to ask your parents permission before you buy. This is the MFG cast. guys Kurt here another episode another interview actually we haven't uh, haven't had an interview for a little bit so it's nice to have these little breaks from our regular episodes today I'm gonna to be talking with somebody that we've actually reviewed one of her games but we haven't had her on so it's nice to be it'll be nice to talk to her about it it's Carla Kopp from weird draft games Carla thanks for coming on thanks for having me 
No problem. It's a uh, long time no see. What has it been like? Three weeks now? Yeah, about that. Yep. We were able to, uh, me and Tracy were able to meet you at Gen Con and play Stellar Leap. And that's all, that's what we're going to be talking about today, along with some other things. Um, so before we go into Stellar Leap that's coming out September 18th on Kickstarter, why don't we talk a little bit about you, Carla? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, I live in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm originally from more the Chicago area, but I like having a job, so I'm here now. I got into game design because I went to a convention, and I had some spare time, and I looked at the uh, the itinerary, and I realized in the same building I was in, there was a how to create a board game panel. So I was like, hey, I don't know how to create a board game. Maybe I should go here. I went to that panel and they were like, whoa, guys, it's it's easy to make a board game. Start small, start with note cards, and just go from there. So that's kind of how I got into this because I believed them at that panel that um, all you really needed was note cards, which is kind of true. You do just like your first prototype, just put it on note cards and a pencil and go for it. And I did that and that's how my first game was made. Okay, that, I'm sorry, but it can't be that easy. I mean, come on, really? Well, that was like step one. That was uh, like month one out of like a about 10 month process of creating a game. Like, well, the first step is like, put things on note cards, then play it, and then uh, iterate on it about like 3,000 times. Yeah, 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 which makes sense. And and it's funny because I'm, you know, I, I'm starting to make my own little game and, I, you know, I don't think, it might not be anything that I put on Kickstarter or whatever, maybe something I just put on drive-thru or whatever, but just trying to come up with this stuff, I'm like, I'm sorry, it is not easy. <laughs> it seems easy. You can come up with like concepts and stuff like that, but man, you have to really work hard to get get a game to it. Even two steps ahead from your original idea is is kind of tough. Yeah, and it like even takes time just to get those note cards and write out each card. Like it takes a lot of time to do it and then play it and then analyze. Like go like, hey, what that went well, but what could be better? What is the thing that needs to change right now? And then to keep going and going and focusing on that one game because like. The easy part is making that first prototype, but then you have to iterate on it and make it better and better and better until like you, you're you like, hey, I haven't played any other games. Do other games exist? Maybe I should play something else. So so that's, that's a good uh, starting point to ask you, how did you get into gaming then? So into gaming in general, so um, I moved here to Huntsville after college and I knew basically no one. So I did have one friend though, uh, her name was Sarah and she liked to board game. And so she was like, hey, do you wanna play some games? And I was like, yeah, I wanna see people. And so I started playing games with her. She really liked Agricola and we played Agricola all the time. Um, And then I bought my own first game, which was Settlers of Catan. And then we just played those games like constantly like everyday settlers or agricola over and over and slowly slowly we branched out and now i have like way too many games that i like i have a giant unplayed pile of games you have to get like hooked in there by that like one game that you play repeatedly i think yeah it, that makes sense because there's there's always that the, your your first one that really gets you into it which is cool 
So, you know, coming out with your first game, you know, is it is it something where you're like, first off, you're like, okay, I'm going to make a game that I'm going to want to put out that everyone's going to see? Or is it something that you're like, ah, well, you know, maybe I'll make this game and we'll see kind of where it goes and I'll play with my friends and then, you know, and then it blossomed from there? How did that work out? So first it was just, hey, I made a thing. Uh, let's see if it's playable. Okay, let's see if other people like it. Oh, now other people like it. Like, um, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so it was like trying to get this game that, like the first thing was just seeing if it w- could be played, and then I was like, let's make it better. Let's make it better. Let's, like, all these people like playing, we should, we should make it. We should get it out to people, because if these people like it, then maybe other people will like it. So that's kind of how it, it just ramped up. I think a part of it was that no one told me it was going to be hard. Um, no one was like, hey, Carla, this is, this is actually going to be a lot of work. Uh, you're going to have to do things you might not enjoy and go out of your comfort zone. But uh, that's what's required when you publish a game. I just, you know, I started with uh, Jamie Stegmeier's lessons, and he's always, like, really happy and positive, and he's like, this is easy, you just do this. And I think if somebody would have been like, this is a lot of work, you might not want to do it. It would have been different. But Yeah, and and the board game community, it seems very positive when it comes to that stuff. So it's so I can see where, you know, most of the time they're like, okay, you know, it may be difficult, but here's some steps to make it easy, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know how Jamie does it. Like, I mean, he just seems like one of those guys that's just always positive about stuff. When I, you know, just, I mean, I, I'm not trying to make this about myself, but like when I am kind of looking at the game that I'm looking at making or whatever, I'm just like, I literally like stop at like a couple, every couple of minutes going, man, my brain hurts. This is so, <laughs> so, this is so much to think about. You know, it's a lot of these things that you don't realize that have to go into a game. And I, you know, you got to give credit to people like you that have been able to step up and make a game that people enjoy. So let's talk about how the, how the name Weird Giraffe Games came about. Cause I, I love how, I mean, it's quirky. It, I don't know what the, what it has to do with any of the games you, that you make, but I just love love the name. <laughs> so where did you come up with the name? So, okay, so I get these ideas, and I think that they're really good, and then it turns out that no one likes them at all. And one of the ideas was uh, the original company name was going to be O-Copy Games, and it would be spelled like O-K-O-P-P, just like my na- last name, I. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be the best name. It has my name in it. And everyone's going to understand what it is. And like I say that, and do you know what Okapi is? I have no clue what that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, no one knew. And then I was like, okay, I can make a graphic. I can make this thing in paint because I know how to use paint. I used paint since I was like 12, right? And that will help. And so that's how I got my logo. I made this little paint uh, thing, and that didn't help out anyone, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That was not helpful. Um, What I should have done, like, and what I do now is, like, okay, have you ever been to Disney? Do you know about the old copies at Disney? And if people are like, oh, yeah, I've seen them, then, like, that's over. But then if they're like, what are you even talking about? Then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to Google copy. 
it's a relative to the giraffe. It's the only one, in fact. So uh, an okapi, it lives in the forest. It's this big, it's like, it doesn't have as long of a neck as a giraffe, but it is, it's a rather long neck. And it's brown, and it has the butt of a zebra, essentially. It has those stripes, and I thought they were really cool. Well, they're especially cool because, like, the Western world didn't know that they existed until, like, 1901, which is, like, these things are related to a giraffe. It's not a small animal, but it took till 1901 for somebody to know that it was there. Well, like, you know, the people that lived around it, Knew it was there, obviously, but, like, Westerners were like, what? What is this tree giraffe? (laughs) So, I just like that story, and I like the animal itself. I'm really into, like, animals. Like, when I was a kid, I only watched Animal Planet, because that was my home life, I guess. But I knew all these things about animals that I thought were, like, common knowledge. Like an okapi. But that's not actually not common knowledge. Unless you frequent Disney a lot. Nice. So that should be one of your next games is you should be talking about animals that nobody knows about and bring it to the forefront. And then, you know, it could be like maybe a kid's game or closer to that. So then, you know, it could, everybody can know. Well, it could pr- probably be all ages because, you know, when you said Okapi, I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. I have no clue what that means, but that sounds cool. Yeah, like so. that would be such a cool game because like, like you said that and I was like, I could talk about the pangolin now, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's like another one of my favorites, but we don't have to talk about that. It's like, it's so cool. Cause like as a baby, it has like a foot long tail and it's, it's, it's adorable. But anyway, nice. so I tried to copy games and nobody got that. And I was like, okay, how do I fix this? I'm not good at naming things. I'm just not. So what is kind of like Okapi? It's a weird giraffe, right? It's it's a weird giraffe. Like, it's in the giraffid family, and it's weird because, like, it has that long neck and the butt of a zebra, and it looks cool. So, um, yeah, that's where the name came from. Weird Giraffe Games, and we kept that logo that I made in paint that people still don't really understand because um, they don't know that the giraffe has a relative. But uh, one day... One day. It's always, like, really exciting when people do know what it is. Like, there was one time in the elevators at Gen Con where somebody was like, that hat has no copy on it. Where did you get it? And, like, they get really excited because I have, like, a bunch of, like, shirts and pins and stuff. And they're like, I need that Okapi pin. So, that happens. And I get excited because at least somebody knows. Even if they don't really know me, they just want it for the Okapi on it. Well, all I know is that when we brought all of the pins home that we got and you gave us a couple of those, Logan had a fit. He's like, that is awesome. I want it. Can I have it? So he, you will, you'll be proud to know that he wears that on his shirts every once in a while and every, every once in a while puts it on his backpack when he takes it to school. So we thank you for that. <laughs> That's really cute. And now, and now I know what it is, so I can tell him what it is, and we can look it up. And he'd be excited about that because he loves that kind of stuff. So, so you were able to make this awesome little card game called Super Hack Override and get it on Kickstarter and get it funded. And um, people still play it. People still enjoy it like us. And now we're looking at Stellar Leap. Um, we were able to, me and Tracy were able to play this at Gen Con, which is awesome. 
And even though I, and I've told you this before, I told you this before, and we kind of referenced it on our Gen Con episode, you were like, ah, oh, well, the components aren't that great. You know, I just want to fix this up and do new art and stuff like that. And we're like, this is like the best prototype we've seen. <laughs> like, we've actually played. So tell us about a little bit about how Stellar Leap came into your mind and how you decided to make it. Okay, so the the first thing I was really thinking about is I'd played games like Settlers of Catan and Machi Koro and even like Valeria Card Kingdoms. Like Valeria Card Kingdoms is really good, but like sometimes you just roll really poorly. And it's like, well, I lost this game because probability didn't work in my favor and now I'm just sad. So one of the main things about Stellar Leap or one of the first ideas was the um, the variable player powers. And these are things that um, you roll two dice and then you use your player power to manipulate the dice to be more in your favor. Because, you know, sometimes you roll dice and you roll double ones twice or three times in a row and like that's against probability but that's what happens and so uh that was one of the main ideas but i also wanted the same kind of thing like those games have where all the players are getting resources on everybody's turn so that you you have to like pay attention to other people's turns you have to be somewhat engaged but with the whole um dice manipulation ability you can be a little more engaged. You could be collaborative with other people. You could be like, hey, I'm on six, and if you make that dice a six, you know, you can get more resources. So that that is one thing that I wanted, where you could you can negotiate. You could cl- try to be on the same planets as other people and get those resources. Or you could be one of those people that are like, hey, I could get resources this turn, but then you would also get resources, so I'm just going to make it so no one gets resources. I really I really like that about the game because uh, depending on how, like, the people you're playing with, it could go very differently. Um, like, some people will attack constantly, but in some games, no one attacks at all. Uh, it just really depends, like, on how people want to play. The game is really nice that it fits with whatever play style that you have. So those were the two things uh, that I wanted players to be engaged on different players' turns. I wanted to like kind of have a dice game but not have you be like a slave to the dice. Like, oh, the dice happened and now I have to do stuff. Um, you can change the dice to make it more in your favor. So why don't you tell everybody about how Stellar Leap works? Okay, so I kind of went into it a little. A turn in Stellar Leap is when uh, the first thing you do is you roll two dice, you use your dice manipulation ability to then change the dice to be whatever you want, so then you can generate resources on the planets that you're on. Um, so for example, if you rolled two and a three and you were happy with that, then the planets in the two, three, and five column would all generate resources because it includes the sum. So any player that would have a population on any of those planets would then gather their resources and then it would go into the action phase. During the action phase you can do a series of actions in any order. The first is a high command actions and you can do two of these. What counts as a high command action is to populate which you gain a population 
um, so you can have more people in the galaxy. You can discover a planet, and when you discover a planet, you can discover either a planet or an asteroid, and then there is attacking. You can attack another player if you have more population than them on a certain planet. And the final is taxing. Taxing only gets you resources right now. It has no other benefit. The other set of actions you can do are division actions. You can do one of each of your division actions. And these include your mining division, where you can mine an asteroid. And how you do this is you look at the asteroid and you look at the asteroid die on it. All asteroids come out with a three die. If it still has the three die and you're the first person to uh, mine it, you roll three dice, you take the highest value of the dice you roll, and look at the card. And the card determines how many resources you get. So if it's the card says you get five fuel plus the dice roll, and you roll the high of a six, you then get 11 fuel, which is really good, considering your cargo hold only holds 20 of each resource. So that is the mining division. There's also a labor division, which can grant you resources right now and an intelligence division, which lets you complete missions. Missions um, require a certain amount of resources, but they give you prestige, which will help you win the game. And then finally is movement, where you, you can move as much as you want, as long as you have fuel and oxygen. And then after you've done all those actions, you make sure um, to also check to see if you've triggered an event because events are really important in this game. Events are always triggered by the players, and they're triggered by things like gaining a certain amount of population, discovering a certain amount of asteroids, fully discovering a solar system, or depleting a mission deck. So, while you're playing the game, um, the game only lasts for six events. You typically want to be the person that triggers the event, as the events are normally better for the person that triggered it, um, these events, they can be positive, they can be negative, they can be instant or long-lasting. So it could be as simple as gaining a certain number of resources, or it could change the type of actions that you're, you have available to use. So when you came up with the concept of this, like I, I feel like I, I keep talking about it, but I just I want to hear a little bit more about it. So... Um, when you're thinking about making a space game, is it something where you're looking at it more componently, where you're like, okay, well, I just need more of this to move, and I need more of this to mine, and blah, blah, blah. Or is it something that you go, well, you know what, I I really like, uh, let's just take, for instance, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I like how they do this, and they do that, and that's how I... That's how I kind of work around the game. How did the, how did that con concept kind of come about? It was more about uh, just thinking about, okay, what can you do in space? Well, you can go discover planets. You can discover asteroids, too, I guess. Um, I'm a big fan of Star Trek. Um, I think my favorite is Star Trek Voyager, though. So I just, I, get in, I got into that mindset of what do you do in space? Well, you can gather resources from the planets you're on, you can venture out, you can make your population uh, greater. There's kind of a backstory to Stellar Leap where there was this great war and you are just devastated and you only have your one population. Like, what are you going to do next? And that was a lot of trying to design it is like, okay, if I was like, if my population was devastated, what would I do? And 
that's kind of where the hidden traits came in, where like each species would probably have a certain trait which would direct their actions. Like maybe a certain trait would be more uh, aggressive, so they would be more they would attack more. Or maybe they are very into discovery because there are like people that are like, hey, I just want to discover new things. So a lot of it was just like, what happens in space? What would I do in this situation? And going from there, like typically my games are really thematic. Like it's all like, what would what would you do in this theme? Yeah, exactly. So you have these on the play mats for these certain characters. You have certain beings and they you know they look good and they and they have their own story so kind of tell us about 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 the certain uh species and their characteristics so we used to have the uh different species have like a set player power but we took that away in an effort to make things uh more player driven but the species themselves at this point the only thing that they dictate is the player color so they, I have backstories for them and why they're different. Um, I really like that, uh, like, okay, in, in Star Trek, a lot of the different species are basically humans, which, you know, the reason for that is it's, it's a lot easier just to add somebody with a different nose and, oh, they're a different species now um, for the whole uh, TV making. But I think in reality, maybe aliens wouldn't be like us. And so I tried to make the aliens in Stellar Leap be super different. Like, there's a bird, and it's just a space bird. And I like to think that they're all sentient and making choices and decisions and stuff. Like, is it a warmongering space bird? Like, I think that would be really cool, like, if they had a hive mind. Um, there's also a big mammoth thing. Um, and my favorite, which is the, uh, the teal color, which... You know, I got to make a game, so I put in the color teal because that's my favorite. But I also made the teal color a space dinosaur, which I like to think of them as more explorers versus, you know, you think a dinosaur, you think, like, aggressive, attacking, or something like that. But I like to think that they're just, like, they're science dinosaurs looking for the next big scoop. I love that you can kind of throw your own your own spin on it and be like, you know what? Why did you have that? Because I think that's awesome. That's why. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's funny that you talk about the whole thing. Like you know, when you have all these, you know, different space shows and stuff like that. Like you think that why wouldn't they just have ones where like mostly like I understand with with like makeup and stuff like that. It's hard to put a lot of makeup on different people to have different species, but like, why does every why does there always have to be human species? Why can't it just be, you know, other species? And then you know what? We know what humans are like. We ha- we you know we've you know we've done humanity for a long time. So you think they'd be able to just do all of other species and not even worry about humans? You know? Yeah, like that's why I didn't put humans in my game. I was like, you know, I'm a human. I know all about humans. Like. You know, there's other things in the in the world while in space. So that's why there's no humans, too, because why have humans when you could have, like, a giant bird? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a space dinosaur. I mean, come on. Who's not going to like that? <laughs> so is there anything when you were doing the process of Stellar Leap, is there something that where you were like, oh, I'm really excited to have this in the game, and then, fi- and then when you were in the process of making it, you're like, this is not going to work? I think the uh, with asteroids, like I had an initial idea for asteroids, 
and it just turned out really lame. And then I had to iterate on that idea quite a bit. Like, I think mining asteroids would be really cool. Like, just the all the physics of trying to mine an asteroid. Um, but I had to, like, keep working and working on that to make it, like, perfect. Like, it started off where, like, asteroids didn't really matter. And I was like, well, I'll make them more powerful. And then I made them way too powerful. They completely, like, obliterated the, the whole resource management system if you got too many of them out. So I think now res or, uh, asteroids are really good to find and get to, but they're not, like, overpowered, which I like. Yeah, I, li I like that concept. I like the whole mining asteroids kind of thing because that yeah it just seems like a lot of fun so you you were telling me that you were working on a mini expansion for stellar leap is it something that that you're going to add to it eventually or are you going to wait until it's funded how is that going to uh how is that going to add to the mix of things where are you thinking about with so it? it is a mini expansion that will be available day one of the kickstarter it's only about 30 to 40 cards so um the main game of Stellar Leap is going to be $39, and if you want both the both uh, the main game Stellar Leap and the expansion, it'll be $49. Hopefully people will want to get both, but what the, the Stellar Leap expansion adds are a bunch of the things that I didn't add to the, to the regular game because I thought it added a bit too much complication. There's some events that are kind of crazy. Um, they're not for people in their first game. And there's a bunch of, uh, there's diverse asteroids, there's a lot more uh, planets that will add a lot more variety to the game. And uh, in particular, there's a lot more traits. So these traits are harder, they're a lot harder to do, but if you could do them well, then you will get a lot of points. So it adds another layer of difficulty to the game that I, I've really been enjoying playtesting. No, I, I love that. I love that, you know, you're working on something that, you know, not only is it like, and you kind of did that a little bit with the little mini expansion for Super Hack Override. It's like, okay, you know, obviously with a game, you're going to play it over and over and over again, but it's awesome to have this little this little mini expansion to say, you know, hey, you can play this a lot of times. You can really figure out, you know, how how you're doing things well and how you're doing things not well. And then you can add this little mini expansion in to kind of up the ante, but also make it a little more challenging. So then if you, if it feels like you've played it so much and you're like, you want a little something added, then you can add that to it. You know, it seems obvious when I, when I kind of say it, but I like that you're that you decided to not just call Stellar Leap good. You know, you were like, okay, well, we'll just add this on, and then if people want to, they can add a little bit more to their game. I can talk about uh, the next thing with Stellar Leap. Ooh, I like that. So what's the ne So what's next? Okay, so I really enjoyed playing Pandemic Legacy. Like, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think part of it was that I got so excited about it, I made sure that I had a good group to play it with, and I really like the legacy aspect of it. I don't actually like the Pandemic-based game, but I enjoyed Pandemic Legacy a lot. So I wanted to bring that sort of concept to Stellar Leap. I've been thinking about different like stories and stuff. Like I have all this background knowledge about Stellar Leap and the different species and stuff, and I wanted to make like a campaign format. So that should be in the future. I have about four or five scenarios already written, and the main idea about um, 
I think it's going to be called Stellar Leap Cosmos, is that if you have the base game of Stellar Leap, you can then buy Stellar Leap Cosmos and play through a campaign. Like, you can play through it in, like, if you want to play campaign one and then you want to repeat, repeatedly play campaign one, you can do that. Um, I won't have it be a typical legacy game and that you won't destroy anything. That was uh, one part about Pandemic Legacy and, like, escape room games where I'm like, I don't want to destroy cards. Yeah, tell me about it. When we have we have pen, Pandemic Legacy and Tracy's like, yeah, let's do this. And I'm like, but it's game components. I don't want to destroy them. You know, I'll, I'll do that with my own stuff. I don't want to do it with a game I just spent, like, whatever, how much money on. You yes, know? exactly. So I want to do, like... Just a campaign that, like, if you're done with the campaign and you don't want to see, like, all the alternate endings and stuff, because uh, I want to make it so that, okay, you, something happens. Like, you're playing Stellar Leap, something happens, you have to make a choice, you have to try to fulfill a goal, and depending on which choice you made and whether you fulfilled or not, you get an outcome. And that changes how the game works. But I want it to be that you could play through the campaign multiple times and get value out of it. That you learn more about the galaxy, about the the mythos of Stellar Leap. I'm really excited to start playing it because right now I've only gotten a bunch of ideas. Like I know where the story is going to go. The story is going to be about this species, this new species that is that comes and they're just really bad at everything they do. Or are they? Are they evil? Who knows? So um, that's going to be the basis of it. I like that. I like that concept because, yeah, it seems like a lot of people are really big into the legacy thing right now. But, that you know, again, there's, there's people that are, you know, really good about, you know, destroying the things that they need to destroy. But if you put in the thing where it's like, well, you don't really have to do that, that or you don't, you're not doing that, you know, it'll, it'll save people a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I want to do with the game is once you get these, once you discover these components, like, so you're going to make a choice and you're going to fulfill a goal and you're going to open a new packet of stuff, you'll then be able to use those in the base game if you want. So you can just customize your Stellar Leap game however you want once you fully see everything in the campaign. And I love that you're already, <laughs> I like you're already thinking ahead. You know, you're always, you're already like, okay, if this does good, then I'll do this. And then if this works out, I love that. So that means you've got a lot of passion for what you're doing and you're, you know, you're sticking behind it. You're not just, because a lot of people, I think sometimes, especially when it comes to Kickstarter, they put out a game and they go, well, let's hope this works out, you know? And a lot of people don't, they don't study enough. They don't know enough, you know? Um, I was talking with you a little bit when we were at Gen Con and you were talking about going to Gilhova's, uh, what do they call that? Uh, uh, it was like top 10 de- uh, mistakes new designers make panel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it's cool that you, you went to do that, you know, instead of just going, well, you know, I could just I could just go off of what I know and then go from there. Like you really seem like you're, you're you're really a student of the whole process of it and that you're willing to take that and use it, use that knowledge to, you know, make these great games and, you know, put them out and be, you know, be prepared for, you know, anything. So 
you know, with let, speaking of that, you know, with this last with your last Kickstarter of Super uh, Hack Override, what have you? What are some of the things that you've learned that you've adjusted that you're gonna that will help you with this new Kickstarter? So I realized in the Super Hack Override campaign that people really want a solo mode. I had not realized that people play solo. Like I knew that people did it, but I didn't know it was as popular as it is. Like I um. Like, Super Hack Override, I had several people asking, like, hey, where's the solo mode? So, one of the um, things in Star Leap was I was like, I'm going to have a solo mode, and it's going to be good. It's going to be a good solo mode that you can replay and stuff like that. So, I went out and, well, I do this a lot where I'm like, Twitter, help me, give me articles about solo. And I got a bunch of articles, I read them, I listened to podcasts. And then I went out and I was like, okay, I have all this information. Let's make a solo mode. And I've actually really enjoyed it. Like I like going into it, I was like, I've never played a solo game before. I'm probably going to hate this, right? I use gaming as a social thing. Like I really enjoy socializing with others while gaming. But it was actually a nice surprise to be like, I'm playing a game against an AI, but I'm having a lot of fun. Like I got to play test a lot on days where like I couldn't find somebody to go to lunch with me so I still got to have like a lot of fun during my lunch by playing a solo game and it was pretty awesome so um yeah solo gaming is very important that's what I learned that's awesome because it, it, it's funny too because I'm I'm very of that aspect of what you said too I'm like every this is you know gaming is more of a social thing I've I think I've literally played one game that was a solo. It was actually a solo game, um, so I you know that's the only game I've ever played solo. But I really enjoyed it, you know. So, you know, it it would be nice to do that kind of thing more. But I just you know I haven't I haven't done it enough. Maybe that's something I'll look into. But so yeah, it looks like you know looks like we've talked enough about you know what Stella Leap is. It's coming out September eighteenth. Make sure you guys go out there and fund it because again we played it we only played the prototype but it was a ton of fun it was cool to see the aspects of you know what the cards bring the traits of the traits that you use and then trying to you know fill out the certain missions and stuff like that it's it's got a lot of meat to it and you know it's not just it's not just a one trick pony you know it's got a lot more action in it not only is it just you know, you placing cubes here and you deciding to move your guys there and blah, blah, blah. But it's got a, you, you have to put a lot of thought into it. Otherwise, other people could really get in your way. So uh, we really enjoyed it. So please go out there on September 18th. I'm going to say it a ton of times, September 18th, September 18th. Go out there and help fund this great game. And thank you, Carla, for coming on and talking to us. No problem. It. Thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun. That's awesome. So until next time, this is Kurt and this was the MFG cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.